everyone. This is Liz Easton, and I wanted to take a quick second to invite you to listen in to the PC Book Club. <laughs> Wait, I need to start again. <laughs> Hi, everyone. This is Liz Easton, and I wanted to take a quick second to invite you to listen to the PC Book Club, a.k.a. PCBC. Every so often, Ricardo Avila and I chat about the books that you should be reading right now. It's just like sitting on your own private book club discussion, only there's probably slightly more references to true crime and Charles Dickens. <laughs> I did not write this. <laughs> um, we may have to re-record that anyway, because I think you just said it's just like sitting on your own <laughs> private book club. She did. That was great. Sitting on a book club. Sitting on a private book club. That's pretty racy. Sorry. Should I try again? It's just like sitting in on your own private book club discussion, only there's probably slightly more references to true crime and Charles Dickens. So if you're looking for the class with an occasional dose of the sass, then check out the PC Book Club right here on the Popping Collars feed. Class and sass. Love it. <laughs> I was praying. Take these shoes Click clacking down some dead end street Take these shoes And make them fit Fit Take this shirt Polly Welcome to the new and improved Maybe we'll see how this goes PC Music Diary, a popping color side project where we dig into an artist, album, genre, or theme from popular music. And who is we? Well, it's me, Greg Knight, your host, and special guest joining oh. me on PC Music Diary, the guy whose who's, uh, dream the pre PC Music Diary was in the first place. Ricardo Avila. Ricardo. Oh, Greg. That's, thank you. That's high praise. <laughs> Considering I've only done one music diary in a year. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I still think of this as your baby, even though I feel like I may have taken it over and talked way too much about music. Oh, you're great. You've done four, right? I don't even remember at this point. I've I I do this thing where sometimes I have a song stuck in my head when I wake up in the morning mm -hmm. and then I'll just like write about it. Good for you. As a diary. Like, and then I'll just turn those writings into PC music diary episodes. You really took this seriously. That's well, great. I mean, you know, it's a, this is, this is a burgeoning enterprise that you and I are involved in here. Like we're making all this pod money is rolling in like <laughs> <All right. laughs> indeed indeed well you know let me do the introduction thing because i think we want to do that here hey eh? sure. um i'm ricardo avila thanks greg uh i am the rector of saint luke's episcopal church in los gatos california and uh do we have to do like a little snippet of like oh and this is what's happening in my life oh i wouldn't say so no because we will have already done that in our big popping collars episode that comes out at the first of the month so 
Wait, isn't this the big popping collars episode that comes out at the first of the month? Oh, no. Did I not tell you? I have a different one. This will be okay. uh, week two from. Uh... Okay, well, then we don't have to. I don't have to worry too much. This is just like <laughs> a little piddly thing. Huh? You don't have to work as hard. Wait, I got supplanted from last week to this week. I was like, yeah, I came up with a concept. I, I came up with a concept that I really liked. And so I went with it. Okay. I can't wait to hear about it and hear what uh, concept you, is better than this. <laughs> you you will be, uh, I'm sure, flabbergasted when you listen to it. It'll be great. All right. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So yeah, that's me, Ricardo Avila. And um, I love music. And say about you, Greg. Oh, my name's Greg. I work at the Church of Bethesda by the Sea in Palm Beach, Florida. And I also love music. Maybe not as much as you do. Because my musical taste tends to skew pretty popular. And your musical taste, I find, is like very obscure um, and beautiful. And I'm always jealous of the songs that you pick for things. I'm like, I wish I knew music the way that Ricardo does. Because he's able to find like these hidden gems all over the place. Can I tell you how much I love hearing that? <laughs> so great. I'm not even going to pretend I didn't love that. You know? <laughs> so yes, Greg, but here's the thing. It's not, it comes naturally, maybe not initially, but I only realize in hindsight, I've been listening to music all my life. I'm the youngest of five and I'm my oldest sister. I think both my sisters really listen to music, but my oldest one, you know, so I know all the seventies stuff from them. And then I had my own record player and it's just always been something that I gravitate towards. And so I guess that does mean it, it is a, a kind of a, a love that is innate. I think I yeah. mentioned last week that I, if I'm in a cafe and I hear a song, I, I need to find, and I like it, I really need to find out what it is. And I'll try to sound hound it or something. And then I look it up and I, and you know, it's just, it's because music's great. So mm -hmm. I'm glad you think I have this obscure and beautiful, great words, uh, taste in music. Um, it's really just, you when you love something, you want to know all about it. And I don't have as much, I mean, there are tons of people who know way more than I do, but I think I know just enough to be happy. Just speaking for me, whenever I hear you talk about things, because I'm always a best of, you know, guy. So like, I'm the, I'm the guy that has the CD collection that's full of like the best of Janis Joplin, the best of Rod Stewart, the best of the Eagles, the best of Prince, you know, like that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, because usually it's, it's like, if you get those best of volumes, they're, they're like the, the music that you were hearing on the radio all the time. And when I think of music, like I think of like listening to FM radio, recording FM radio on mixtapes, and then like listening back to it with, even with the ad breaks and all of that stuff, um, recording top 40 countdowns from Sunday mornings. Um, so I'm, I always think of like music in terms of radio. And so finding stuff that's left of the dial or a B side or sort of, you know, uh, buried music that's kind of off the beaten path. I've just always been jealous of people that can find like those beautiful ones because I tend to seem to navigate back into like, you know, the, the big wide lane where everybody else is. Um, so. Right. I wish I had curated musical taste, but 
Well, I'll tell you, my, I don't, I mean, we should probably like get started with this, but I'll just say in response to that, first of all, I think those greatest hits are great if, because it's an entree into liking an artist. And then what you might do is say, oh God, what album is that off of? Mm-hmm. And you listen to that album. And I think it is in the nature of hits that are playing on the radio that they want to be the ones that appeal to the most people. And that is at least half the time, not the best song on the album. Right. So there's a song that's more lyrically intricate or a little more emotional or a little quieter or a little kind of less popular sounding that really touches you or grabs you. And so my curating is not, it's, it's based on kind of emotion, frankly, yeah. and instinct. Um, so, you know, gosh, um, remain in light by the talking heads right their hit from there is oh, i'm gonna get this wrong <laughs> i think it's uh same as it ever was same as it ever was right right song but that's not the best song on that album in my opinion there are like four songs i love better than that and when i listen to that cd not that i have in ages but i often kind of skip the hit so you know and then you think an artist has really got breadth and then you want to hear more about them and check out their albums so anyway that's a long answer to a question that was not asked (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh once in a lifetime right that once in a I was like I was like rolling through the lyrics in my head and I was like is that the name of the song once in a lifetime hey Siri what is the big hit from remain in light by the talking heads yeah it's once in a lifetime um, hey we did it but I just man, have to sing the song quickly in my head you're absolutely right but man there's some other I can't even think of the songs born under punches is great And the heat goes on, and the heat goes on. Anyway, I'll stop. So, what are we doing? (laughs) Okay, so here's the deal. Since we're a religion and pop culture pod, uh, Ricardo and I thought that there's probably nowhere better to begin this new sort of version of the PC Music Diary where we talk to each other about things that we like uh, than to begin with... um, secular songs that have religious themes which is really like kind of every song that we talk about for the most part i mean i don't know like we're sort of specifically calling this episode that theme but probably every episode that you hear from now on is going to be us talking about secular songs that have religious themes to us but we're not talking about specifically sort of christian pop music so not like Amy Grant or oh my gosh, I had a bunch of these things. There were like a like there was like an acapella group that was like a big Christian band when I was in high school. Yeah. That like the Baptist kids would always listen to. I don't know. We're not talking about those things, right? Jars of clay. Not necessarily jars of clay. No. Um, we're talking about music that comes at religion sideways. So 
you know, it could be anything from like a popular artist, but it it touches on something that speaks to our soul. Is that how you would say it? I would say it that way, Greg. Uh, in fact, I would say that um, <laughs> Amy Grant kind of becomes the poster child, and I feel a little bad for her because there are a few Amy Grant songs I like, and I think I think when you say Amy Grant for me, that's a kind of music. El Shaddai. El Shaddai, El Elyonah Adonai Age to age you're still the same By the power of the name And I have to be careful because there are people who really love that music for real, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I tend to kind of do a little eye roll with Christian pop music because it just doesn't speak to me. It 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 feels treacly or um, insincere. But I imagine for most of the singers and for the people who are real fans of it, it means the world. And who am I to you know say no? That's phony, shallow religious music. And right. so I kind of have to watch that. Doesn't mean I want to listen to that music, but kind of respect that different people are touched by music in different ways. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't mean for Amy Grant to be out here catching praise from me. (laughs) But like, but there's something about, there's something about the on the nose, like the on the noseness of like a Michael W. Smith or something like that, where it's like, uh, you know, kind of slow down guy. Like, let's sing about life, you know, a little bit, not necessarily have um, all the Jesus stuff front and center all the time, you know? Right. Right. Well, I, Greg, I, I apologize because now I'm becoming very chatty and <laughs> just kind of stop me if you need to, but it's like hymns. I think some of my favorite hymns are the ones where there's doubt or pain or, you know, struggle as opposed to, I don't know, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Now, that might work for some people, but I, I like a little grit with my with my mm-hmm. Jesus. You know, I like, gosh, it's like verse 3 of, Come thou fount of every blessing, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Right. My heart go take and seal it. You know, I lose track of God, and this song acknowledges that. And so when I sing that particular verse, I feel it more. And that's authentic to me. And, you know, I saved a wretch like me, you know, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to kind of a clappier song or something. So what is your, I was going to say, like, what is your history with this idea of secular religious music? But I mean, I haven't like answered I said, that. That's kind of like everything. That's kind of like asking you, what's your history with music? But maybe like, when is a time where you realized that you were listening to something that wasn't specifically religious, but it touched something inside of your sort of religious imagination? So, yes, maybe all my life, but very specifically, in fact, I I wrote a blog post on it <laughs> on my blog that I think has five entries over the last 15 years it it there was an album by Emmylou Harris called Wrecking Ball. Oh. 
And it came out in the year that you will look up. Hey, Siri, when did Wrecking Ball by Emily Lou Harris come out? In 2013. Oh, wait. So, oh. so like Miley Cyrus's Wrecking Ball. Oh, that's Miley Cyrus. <laughs> <laughs> I said Emily Lou Harris. Siri, what is <laughs> I was like, what are the odds that Emily Lou Harris and Mo- Molly, Miley Cyrus put out the same song? I came in like a Eddie Lou Harris covered Miley Cyrus's Wrecking Ball. <laughs> hey Siri, could you please answer correctly? When did the album by Emmy Lou Harris named Wrecking Ball come out? Oh, man. 1995. Okay, that's a little bit better. Sorry, Miley. So, so Wrecking Ball came out, and it was Emmy Lou Harris doing cover songs of other people's music, and. One of them was Orphan Girl by Gillian or Gillian Welch. Mm-hmm. I say Gillian for this podcast. I think it's Gillian. All right, we'll do Gillian. Let's start that over. <laughs> <laughs> you can keep the Miley Cyrus stuff in if you like, but. Um... So, Greg, I actually can pinpoint a moment when secularish religious music really kind of changed my life a little bit, frankly. And it was the Emmylou Harris album Wrecking Ball, which came out in 1995. And it's a bunch of cover songs she does of other people's music. And the opening song is called Orphan Girl by Gillian Welch. Never heard of Gillian Welch. And I love that song. And it's it's not about like Jesus loves me and clappy clap. It's like I'm an orphan on God's highway, but I'll share my troubles if you go my way. I have no mother, no father, no sister, no brother. I am an orphan girl. And the song is basically, you know, take care of me, God, until I'm reunited with my family in heaven because now I'm an orphan. And it's moving. <laughs> you know, it's authentic. I don't think Gillian was an orphan, but... um there's an authenticity to that song. So I listened to that and I thought, well, who's Gillian Welch? And then I look her up and then I start listening to her debut album and I love it. And then I start listening to Lucinda Williams somewhere in there because she covers Sweet Old World by Lucinda Williams. And I there's Lucinda Williams and she's a poet. And then Car Wheels on a Gravel Road and the song... Um, that's a song on there that I love. And this is one of those not a hit songs. Um, Lake Charles. It's called Lake Charles. He had a reason to get back to Lake Charles. And it's a, about a friendship and the guy dies. He's misunderstood somehow. And the, the refrain goes, she sings, she sings. Did an angel whisper in your ear and hold you close and take away your fears in those long last moments? Mm. Like that's real. Yeah. It's also religious, you know, it's yeah. a, I don't even know what it's about, but I'm assuming it's someone she loved who was a great friend who died. And she talks about the fun times they had, but then she comes to that moment, you know, did God meet you in your moment mm-hmm. of dying and hold you and take away your fear? 
that to me speaks authenticity. And so all of those, Emmylou Harris, Lucinda Williams, Gillian Welch, they all informed my faith at that time. I wasn't super religious. And from there, I think, is a direct line to kind of going to seminary and becoming a priest because I did not find an authentic sense of faith often in the usual channels, via the usual channels. But this music, because it was out of left field, it felt more, had more integrity, it feels like, or authenticity because they were speaking from a lived experience as opposed to love Jesus and you will be just fine. You know, be good and God will bless you. It's like I've suffered, I've struggled, and God is with me, and I will, you know, I will hold him close like, you know, there's no tomorrow kind of thing. Wow. if that makes sense, that's that's kind of how this kind of music we're talking about has informed me. And I, I, it's frankly, to me, I'm not as interested in some of that other stuff because this just speaks to me more strongly and powerfully. Mm-hmm. What about you? <laughs> you know, I was thinking like for me, because I grew up in a sort of a conservative Christian sort of background, right? So or kind of evangelical Christian. I mean, like I I grew up in like a non-denominational Christian church when I was like, I started going to church at age 10 Mm -hmm. when I was living with my grandmother. And so for me, I never thought of music, like music that you heard on the radio is very different from like music that you would hear in church. So I never thought of like music on the radio as being something holy really like it never it never occurred to me even something like um and betsy's not here so i have to bring them up but even something like you too like i would have never listened to their lyrics and thought that they were about jesus or the holy spirit like i would have thought that they were about love or you know a romantic partnership or something like that like um those two worlds wouldn't have crossed over right so when I think of religious music, like I growing up, I tended to think, okay, so there's like a genre for that and everything else has nothing to do with religion, which is wild to think back on. The time where I was challenged with that, there were two records that I can think of that challenged me on that. And neither of them are particularly religious, I think. But for me, they felt religious um one was uh the album purple by stone temple pilots which was the second stone temple pilots album and there's nothing particularly amazing about the album purple it has it has the hit songs that were on that record were like interstate love song vaseline uh which is kind of a depressing song thinking about it Actually, there is a really pretty song on that album called Pretty Penny, which um, which I sing to my youngest daughter every now and then, whose name is Penelope. I'll sing her uh, Pretty Penny by Stone Temple Pilots. Gone, when you wake in the morning, gone, when you find that there's no one sleeping, gone, Pretty Penny was her name, she was loved and we all will miss her. But the reason that I think of it whenever I think of this idea of where does the secular crossover with religious is because I was in somebody's um, youth group at the time 
this wasn't the youth group that I went to. This was like an, a friend of mine's church. I went uh, with them to like um, whatever their youth group meeting was. And they were um, the youth leader was talking about uh, um, some kind of magazine article that listed like uh, albums that would that you should never listen to ever because they were of the devil and you were going to go to hell if you listened to them. And yeah. one of them was Purple by Stone Temple Pilots. And I had just bought that album like earlier that week. <laughs> and I was like, but I love that album. And I remember thinking like when when here was like a Christian leader that was like, okay, well, you can't listen to this music because this music is horrendous and will damage your soul somehow. And I just remembered thinking like, no, it it won't. And it's not. I love this. I love this album. I love this music. I love these songs. Like, no. And I found myself sort of starting to feel like this defensiveness of not just Stone Temple Pilots as a band, but of what it is that they were singing about and what it is that they were saying. And there, there was truth in it, just like there was truth in, you know, the, the Christian rock that supposedly was good to listen to. Um, so I always think of Stone Temple Pilots Purple whenever this kind of conversation comes up. The other one is um, around the same time, there was a album that came out called Throwing Copper by a band called Live. And there was a song in on that album called I Alone. I sank into Eden with you Alone in the church by and by which was kind of a big hit on MTV. I think it was like the biggest video. Well, they probably had. No, nah, there was probably a different song on there that was the biggest hit. But um, but I alone was. It was just one of these. Um, it was one of these songs that again doesn't have specifically religious lyrics, but it had lyrics that echoed things that were in my life. Like it talks about. Uh, there's a lyric in there of I sank into Eden with you. And, you know, that reference, like that lyric, like it's referencing Eden from the Bible, but I grew up in a town named Eden, North Carolina. That's where I went to high school. And so it had this like dual ramification for me where it was real, something tangible in my life that I could see the town that I was going to high school in. And it had echoes of like a biblical story and this sort of longing to reconnect on this very deeper basic human level right i sank into eden with you i just love that i love that all of those things kind of came together uh they just wove themselves together into this lyric and this song and that was probably the first time where i was like oh music can be real Music can be metaphor. Music can be spirit. It can all be the same thing. It doesn't have to be divided up into all of these different parts the way that I was told by these adults that it did have to be. Right. And so so I think of Purple from Stone Temple Pilots because I had to defend my hedonism at a youth group meeting. And, uh, and I think of I Alone by uh, Live when I think of weaving these things. Wow. So 
I have three things to say. <laughs> one is about your religious sensibility. The yeah. other one is um, a correction about what I said about Emmylou Harris's album. Okay. And the third, I, as usual, have forgotten. Okay. But maybe I'll remember it as we talk. So <laughs> just briefly, and again, this is such a meandering conversation, Greg. I don't know. You edit no, out. No, I, th- I think this is what the show actually needs to be. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> All right. Your religious sensibility. So I don't think there are many people in the world who would say that Stone Temple Pilots and Live, I don't know them very well, uh, are, you know, spark their religious kind of sensibilities. But the fact that there was just whatever sort of crossroads of occurrences, you know, in your, you know, going to that youth group and being told that's bad stuff. Oh, the third thing is about comfortably numb by Pink Floyd. (laughs) Okay. So um, the, the, but whoever you were and whatever sort of religious kind of inclinations or like budding yearnings were happening in your spirit and then going to that youth group and then just liking a certain kind of music. I mean, it's this strange alchemical mix that you never know what you don't never right. know what's going to spark your sense of faith or sense yeah. of God. Yeah. And that's why um, that's why I think it's great that those those are your those are your entrees into the uh, entrees into this kind of thing. Um, so great. Uh, the correction about the um, Emmylou Harris CD, I thought Orphan Girl was the first track on there. Um, it's actually the first track on Gillian Welch's debut. Mm. Uh, it's it's on Emmylou Harris's, her cover of Orphan Girl is later in there. The first track on Wrecking Ball by Emmylou Harris is called Where Will I Be? And she does a couple of songs on there with Daniel Lenoir. I think that's how you say his name. A big producer of people like you too, for example. But um, where will I be? The the big phrase is where or where will I be when that trumpet sounds, you know, the day of judgment. Um, So orphan girl, not first. And then I don't know if you want to hear this story, but what you, the story you told about going to the group, the religious group and being told these are evil albums, never listen Mm -hmm. to them. I was in a youth group. I've told this story on this podcast. I must have. Um, really? I don't remember it. So he, I'm a little boy in Milwaukee. I don't know, 10 years old, 11, 12. Well, actually, I was probably 14. <laughs> it was the same thing. You know, they were trying to tell us, you know, to stay away from harmful music. And so they they brought out, handed out the lyrics to Comfortably Numb by Pink Floyd. And they played the song. I think I was the only one who knew it. Not right. that I was that cool, but I don't know. Um, so I had just, with my friend, we had snuck in to see The Wall, right? Mm-hmm. With Bob Geldof and, you know, the Pink Floyd movie, The Wall. Uh, and uh, this, it, and the scene where this song is played is particularly interesting. You know, he's kind of having a nervous breakdown, throwing TVs out hotel room windows and kind of going crazy. Right. But the song's supposed to, no, wait. Actually, I don't remember what the scene is. I better just be quiet. Um, the, comfortably numb is basically about being drugged up, right? Hello, hello. I, is, yeah. there is there anybody there? in there? Just not if you can hear me. 
Yeah, exactly. And then they kind of drug him up so he can go on stage and perform. Right. Mm -hmm. But to this, these youth group leaders, it was about taking drugs and they don't want you to take drugs. And so they're like, so they play the song. We're looking at the lyrics and like, well, what do you think? What do you think? No one's talking, of course. And well, what do you think it's about? No one's talking. So I'm just all excited because I'd snuck in to see the movie. So finally, I just raised my hand. I say, oh, my God, this was in the movie. We just saw we I saw the wall. And there's a scene where they play the song comfortably numb and he's going good. But they have to drug him up to be on the show. And it was so <laughs> kind of exciting. And I just like couldn't help it. I was so, you know, because you don't expect a song you love to show up in the religion, in the church youth group. Right. Right. Because they're like boring and stayed and, you know, nice people. But. So I was just too excited. That is not the answer they wanted. <laughs> like, okay, thank you. It's about drug use. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think they were trying to speak with authenticity and integrity, but you know, there's context too. You can't just hear a song and be like, that's about drug use. That's a bad song. I actually think it's it's a pretty good song that's anti-drug, <laughs> you know. I can't feel anything, there is no pain. A distant ship smoke on the horizon, you know, everything's receding. I've become comfortably numb. I have checked out of life, you know. Right. Might, might be attractive in some situations, but I think it's not meant to be. Right. Okay, that's it. I'm done. And spirit can find you wherever you are. Like this, this idea, and that's kind of the conceit of this podcast, obviously, right? But I just find that music is music is probably one of the more tangible ways that we can feel it in our lives because because music is something that you feel like it's not necessarily something that you analyze and think too much about it's something that it moves you you know I often think about like um how different media work you know um like a movie a really good movie maybe I'll watch it twice but mostly like I don't necessarily have to see a movie more than once, you know, and there are some movies that I definitely don't want to see more than once. But if I see, I don't know, like um, eight and a half or something once in my life, that's probably about as many times as I need to see it, like maybe twice. I don't need to watch it over and over again. Uh, the same thing with like reading a book. Like, I mean, I get that you can read a book over and over again. And I know a lot of people that do read like, you know, a book like once a year or something like that. But generally for me, like once I know the story, like I'm I'm okay. Like I don't necessarily need to read it again. But music is one of these things. It's a medium that we not only do we listen to these things, we listen to them over and over and over and over again. And they're still the same song and they're still the same rhythm and they're still the same instruments and they're still the same lyrics. And yet somehow they have this magical ability to hit us differently and make us feel different things in different moments. And I think that that's really powerful. One of the songs that I think of when I, when I think about this concept all the time is Under the Bridge by Red Hot Chili Peppers. I don't ever want to feel like I did that day. Take me to the place I love. Take me all the way. I don't ever want I had this conscious thought. This this sounds morbid, and it I promise it is not a morbid thought. But I had this 
thought one time when I was like, I don't even know how old I was, maybe 13 or something when Blood Sugar Sex Magic came out. But I remember listening to that album and thinking to myself and like Under the Bridge was all over the place. It was on like every rock station that I listened to, you know, once per hour, you could guarantee that Under the Bridge was going to come on. And I remembered having the stray thought of, I wonder how many times I'm going to hear this song in my life. That was one thought. And then the second thought I had was, I wonder what what will be the last time that I ever hear this song? Mm. Like, what will be the last time that I'll hear Under the Bridge? And whatever it is, I'll never know that that was the last time right like i could listen to it right now and maybe that's the last time but maybe like it's 50 times from now that's the last time but i I wonder like when's the last time i'm going to hear under the bridge and i think that like that's a powerful ability that music has to sort of make us feel things because what i felt when i was a kid listening to that song is definitely not what i feel now when i listen to that song And it's probably not going to be what I feel when I listen to that song when I'm 75. Right. Like it's just, it's just a powerful medium. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Um, Are you going to do a little snippet of that song so people know what it is or are are you going to sing some of it right now? I don't know. I, I should probably snip in some of these songs. I tell you what, here's what we should do. Wait, I have something to say about what you said. Say something about feeling, and then let's talk about a couple of songs after that. Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. I I have thought about this like you have. I think maybe you actually prompted it in me because you've said this before. Uh, Movies and books uh, and TV shows, they're great, but you're right. You know, you might might watch them one more time or read them one or two more times, um, but but. It's not like music where you just like play it over and over again and it puts you in a certain space or mood. And I think part of that is because most books, music, and TV are as narrative driven. And so there's a storyline and a plot and there's character development. And once you sort of know how it's going to play out, I think it's served its purpose. Where I think music, its purpose is not, I mean, obviously there are story songs, you know, that will tell the story, but there's something. I don't know. I, and I'm not sure what it is. I, I have my theories. My One of my theories is it's about the, the, the actual music and not the lyrics, that there's something about notes that when yeah. they turn a certain way, they, they actually make your heart ache or something. That's almost like the vibrations enter your, you know, your body in a certain way. And you know what I mean? There'll be a song and it'll go to a minor chord or the lyric will will go with the 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 chord that is unresolved and make you think about life, you know, mm-hmm. life is unresolved, you know. Like I talked about in a podcast a couple of years ago about Joni Mitchell's song, "The Last Time I Saw Richard." The last time I saw Richard was Detroit in '68, and he told me all romantics meet the same fate someday. Cynical and drunk and boring someone in some dark cafe. You know, that ends on this chord that to me is haunting. Like, boom. It's like, wow, that's like life. It doesn't get resolved. And you have to live with what you've done. And if you're a thinking and feeling person, that chord hits you. 
or on other another chord or another turn of music. You hear about people crying at operas and they don't even understand what's being said, but they know the story in general. Right. And they're a mess when they come out. Now, I don't understand the opera thing. I, it's not my thing. But I understand that experience, you know. You could know something about the artist and then hear a song and know that it's coming from their pain, mm-hmm. you know. And that moves you because you've had a similar pain. I don't know. I, I guess you can have that in all medium. But I, I think you're right. Music has a, a, a particular hold on us that bears repeated listens. Yeah. Uh, because it, it it twangs that bit of us. And it's short. You know, it's four minutes as opposed to, you know, 15 hours of reading. Yeah, I mean, that's that's true. Like, there's a time element involved. And I understand that, too. But I also understand that, like, albums are made to be listened to over and over again, you know, and you can listen to a 70 minute album, 80 minute album. Um, and you're talking about a movie could come in at 90 minutes. It's just interesting the way that works. Uh, Hey, do you want to talk about a couple of songs that are on our minds right now? Yes, I do. Greg. Yeah. What's, what's, uh, what song is stirring up for you in the moment and what's the story that goes along with it? So Sinead O'Connor died recently. Yeah. And, um, I kind of knew about her life. Uh, but mostly I, I knew those first two albums of hers, The Lion and the Cobra, and I do not want what I haven't got. Um, but there was an EP, an extended play that came out, I don't know, 1997 maybe, called Gospel Oak. And there are like six songs on there, and I love that little CD. And one of the songs on there, I'm not sure why it it spoke to me. I think... I think it came up for me again with that idea of like my doubts about God and my doubts about organized religion. And am I really doing the right thing by discerning a call to ordained ministry and becoming a priest and going to seminary, that whole business. Mm -hmm. And um, this song, this particular kind of verse in it um, really, I just remember playing this song over and over and loving it. Uh, So the song is called Petit Poulet. Sang, say okay, man, no, baby. To sang, say okay, the life you left behind won't find you. The love you kept inside will come. And a little bit is in French. Petit poulet to oh, I've got to screw up the French, but petit poulet to say say okay, maintenant bébé to say say okay. Little chicken, everything little is chicken. all right. Mm-hmm. Now, baby, everything is all right. Mm-hmm. So there's a verse where she says, "There isn't any answer to the question." isn't any answer in religion don't believe one who says there is but the voices are heard of all who cry 
I am around you as love in the night, kissing your plight, baby child, kissing your plight, kissing your plight. I am the sun up in the sky. I am the moon also at night. I am the ground under your foot. I am holding you, Petit Poulet. To me, that speaks so much more about the presence of something divine caring about us, regarding us, and loving us than some of those, well, not to not to keep harping on poor Amy Grant, but some of those songs don't speak to me. And I know that Sinead O'Connor went through some hell. Um, back then, when I loved this song, I didn't know as much as I do now that I've been reading about her since she died. But the fact that she could maintain that belief in something divine, despite all that religion had directly and indirectly done to her, uh, organized religion, is a bit of a miracle. And so to me, her faith is hard-earned, has integrity, and is authentic. And hearing those songs and hearing her say those things, it's like she needed to sing those things for herself. And yet by doing that, it became a little more universal for any of us who felt like, what what is this religion thing anyway? And how is, is there really a God? And um, so that particular song really spoke to me and actually paradoxically helped me with my faith. I think that's what some of the best songs do. They'll 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 point very directly to why you shouldn't believe and mm-hmm. then sort of assure you and yet there is there is something there worth giving yourself to. So that's that's my that's my pick. I mean, I I don't know what more to say. I I don't need to go into her life, but it was pretty tragic. And she was definitely she had her own struggles and wasn't always kind of pleasant to hear or you know kind of witness some of her behavior from some of her own kind of mental illness struggles and PTSD from child abuse and such. But um, her voice and her words are beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so funny because when you were saying Petit Poulet, like um, I made it to intermediate level French in college, which was what I needed to make it to in order to graduate. Mm. I cannot speak a lick of French. I can kind of read French. Um, That's what an intermediate level gets you, I think. So I immediately recognized what you were saying is little chicken which has kind of a funny image to it, right? Like, like you you put those two words together, and you're like, oh, what a what a little funny kind of quirky image. Um, and yet, it's a gospel image, right? Like a mother hen. Yeah, it's like this. It's this idea of like protection and security and coverage of these giant wings, sort of taking you under. You know, it's um, what a beautiful image. I love it. 
Um, yeah. And don't take yourself too seriously because you're just a little chicken being protected by this hen of a god. Yeah, I just I think that's amazing. Exactly. Yeah. So, God bless Sinead. Mm-hmm. What about you? Um, you know, a song that's been drifting through my head lately, and uh, you know, I, I always feel like a walking cliche every time I do this because I feel like I'm always going back to Tom Petty or Bob Dylan or you know one of these guys like all the time, and of course Bruce Springsteen like comes up all the time when we talk about this, but. I was saying before, like I wake up with these songs in my head and one of these one of the songs that I've been that's sort of been running through my brain for a while for like a month or so is uh, Devils and Dust. I got my finger on the trigger But I don't know who to trust I look into your eyes There's just devils in Long, long way from home, Bob. Home's a long, long way from us. Did you feel a dirty wind? Uh, which is, um, I don't know that it's a particular, I mean, it's not, I would never describe it as like a religious song. It almost sounds like a Western every time, you know, he sings it. It's like um, something about, uh, I got my finger on the trigger, um, but I don't know who to trust. You know, it's it's like this, um, it feels like, I don't know, like a Clint Eastwood movie or something, but it's the chorus. It's the chorus where he um, yeah. where he says, I got God on my side. And I'm just trying. I'm just trying to survive. What if what you do to survive kills the things you love? Fear is a powerful thing. Turn your heart black, you can trust. Take your God filled soul, fill it with devils and us. Fear is a powerful thing. It turns your heart black. You can trust. It'll take your God filled soul and fill it with devils and dust. Mm. I, I, I mean, dude, like. Are you kidding me? Like, yes, absolutely. I what this makes me think of is um, when I was uh, I, I try not to talk about my Camino experience uh, too often on the podcast because I'll just do it forever if I just keep <laughs> going down that road. Uh-huh. But I remember having this conscious thought at one point on the journey where I realized that so much of my life in ministry at my parish was about work that did not matter it was about it was about stuff that did not matter at all stuff that was just so small like you know replacing swings on the playground or having to stop doing one program with the children and start another program that I didn't want to do, but you know, the education committee wanted to do it or something, you know, just something dumb. I just remember being on the trail and walking on the trail where you just have hours and hours to 
just be and experience what you're walking through. But so often your mind just goes into itself and it just starts thinking about home and it, it starts thinking about all kinds of things. And one of those things that I was thinking about a lot on the trail was vocation and what it is that I'm called to and how my ministry life had gotten so off balance that I was just so far on the work side that I had lost all sense of the vocation side. Like Mm. I was so focused on, you know, getting more kids into the program, getting new swings for the playground, getting, you know, uh, updated carpet for the youth room, like all of that stuff that I had totally lost track of what does any of this have to do with connecting these young people to the story, to the life-giving story of Jesus? Like I'd lost all of that. And so the Camino for me was really a balancing out. It was about balancing out the vocation of my job with the work of my job. And reminding myself that new swings, it's not always about new swings. It's about uh, welcoming people into a new life with Jesus. You know, it's like, it's, it sounds so dumb to say it out loud, but it really does matter to like hold these two things in both of your hands, right? This higher calling and this sort of work that we're given. Every woman and every man Take a ride to stay. Find the love that God gives and the faith that He commands. I got my finger on the trigger. Tonight, faith just ain't enough. I look inside my heart. There's just devils in I got on my side I'm just trying to survive But if what you do to survive Kills the things you love Fear's powerful thing Turn your heart black you can trust Take your god feel song Affiliate with devil's hand And Devils and Dust is the song that pulls me back to it because the work stuff is always fear-based, right? It's always about like, I'm not good enough. I'm not doing enough. I need to do more. I need to get more. I need, you know, and, and need like this idea of like desire. You're never going to be fulfilled, right? You're never going to hit the moment where you're, you, you sit back and you look at your congregation. You're like, oh man. We did it. We nailed it. We've got the perfect number of people coming here. We've got the perfect number of pledges. Like this is this is absolutely everything that I hoped it would be. You always like the, it's just the church. You always want more. You want all of like you want to do more. You want to be more. You want to reach out to more people. Like it's just it's just how parishes work, I think. Yeah, I, I I just think about this idea of that's that's fear. That's fear that's that's telling you that you're not enough. And it'll take everything that you love and it'll strip it all away and it'll fill it with nothing. It'll fill it with devils and dust, right? 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so yeah, so I've been, as I've been sort of transitioning vocations at work and stuff like that, I've just found that this song has just been coming up for me. And every time I think about it, I think about that Camino experience and I think about that walk, walking that balance of like, I'm going to do the work that I've been given to do, but it's all in service of this calling that I claimed years ago uh, that's never changing. And so, yeah, so that's, that's where I am right now with Bruce. Wow. That song. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. That's real, man. <laughs> I think uh, if I may, if I may comment, um, yeah. I, I know that song just a little bit, but that phrase that what if what you do to survive kills the things you love, mm-hmm. you know, it's so it's true for anyone really. Right. I mean, for an artist, for someone who would rather be, I don't know. Loves this other thing, but I, I hear you on the on the ministry situation and how so much of what you do. And I don't want to like impose my clergy life on it, but uh, I can relate, you know, in my own way to that um, that idea that what you love and what you're best at, maybe even uh the things that you have to do to survive kind of don't necessarily match up with that yeah your 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 story about just the disappointment of of you know you get lost in the details and the fear mm-hmm. um, you're right we're never going to be satisfied right yeah it's going to be a day when we look around and like we this is it we can we did it now. yeah that's never going to happen in any context yeah and yet, I mean, I think that you're you're bringing it to the Camino experience. I mean, what I heard in that is, you 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 remembered that there was there's sort of a, I don't know, the word that keeps coming up in my head is there's a purity to yeah. there's a pureness to what you really, you know, what 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 the deepest thing of 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 your ministry is, and the purity has been kind of mucked over with devils and dust, but gosh, it's still there and. I don't know if that Camino helped you get in touch with it again or what it's going to mean for your future. But, um, you know, that is what's important. Yeah. Well, it's about pulling that stuff into your conscious mind. Right. I think I think unconsciously or subconsciously, we're kind of aware of this idea. I mean, certainly fear is about being afraid of losing stuff right like i mean ultimately that's what we're talking about you're you're afraid of you're afraid of loss whether that's possessions or people or life or love or things or whatever um that's what fear preys on is the loss of all of those things and um and that's not gospel right the gospel is never about focus on the things that are dwindling. <laughs> like the gospel is never about focus on scarcity, the scarcity of life and how you better get yours before somebody gets theirs. Like that's not, that's not what it's about. The gospel is always about abundance. It's always about two loaves of bre- like uh, two fish and five loaves of bread. Like it's always about that. And yeah, I mean, the Camino experience was about taking that thought and always making it front of mind, like always pulling it into the consciousness, because so frequently, like when you're looking at the world, like your fear makes you see it one way. 
And the fear isn't the truth. The truth is actually the abundance part, but it can be hard to see sometimes. So, yeah. God. Thanks. That's, that's, that's good. And it's also depressing somehow. Oh, I know. I know it's depressing. You were, when you're saying, you know, you focus on scarcity. It's like, you know, the church, I wouldn't even say the church focuses on scarcity. I would say we fixate on scarcity. We do fixate Um, on scarcity. And it's, you know, it's easy to say stop doing that, and I, but I get why we do it. Yeah. Uh, it's because we're dying. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because we have we have buildings that are falling apart that need to be paid for. And we it, it's that loss piece, you know, and we have congregations that used to be full and now aren't nearly as full as they were. You know, it's just all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, but but you know what? You know, when you do have that balance, you recognize all the gifts that you do have. Right. which are abundant. Um, I know that like I have tremendous gifts in my life. One of them is this pod and being able to check in with you guys and all of that stuff. And like, it really does recharge my batteries and I love it. And um, somebody, I, I always comfort myself with the, by going down into the library of the church and looking at all the different things that people were doing at Bethesda by the Sea back in 1950 or 1940 or 1930 and thinking to myself, you know, somebody 60 years from now is going to be looking at all the stuff that I did and they're going to be like, oh, wow, I can't believe that guy did a movie class. What a weird thing to do at a church. (laughs) But like, you know, it's it is what it is. You're part of this larger story that's going to keep going. And there's comfort in that, I think, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do we want to do another song? I don't know. I'm all good, I think, on songs. Do you have another one? Well, I have many, but I oh. mean, I... I tell you what, why don't we save them for later episodes of the pod? Because I really like this new and improved music diary where we get to talk to each other about stuff rather than talking to ourselves. I like it too. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see you and I don't know when, whenever the next pod comes out and we'll be talking about new music that's on our minds. How does that sound, Ricardo? Wait, is this the end of the episode now? I think we can wrap it up. Do you have uh, something that's on your mind that you want? To I don't say? know. I, <laughs> wait, well, you had that outline. You had all these interesting things, but I think we answered some of them. Like what makes it, what's the difference between songs that are like authentic feeling and like shallow religious or whatever. I mean, I think I, I brought up the whole caveat about Amy Grant, but I think it's okay to distinguish at least what moves me, you know? As oh, absolutely. To, you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but. Yeah. Um, I think, I think Amy Grant's going to be okay. If she's listening to the pod, Amy, I'm so sorry. Uh, all the stuff oh. said today. Baby Baby is one of my favorite songs. I remember walking past my cousin's house one summer and she was outside like washing her car or something and she had a boombox in the driveway and Baby Baby was playing and I was like, you know what, Amy Grant, you did it. This is the summer event of the summer song. It is great. Good job, Amy Grant. Nice. <laughs> well, I think that is a fitting end to this episode. <laughs> oh, 
Oh man, there are so many songs. So Steve many. Peter, oh my God, Nick Cave. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Well, may this may this podcast may this satellite pod prove prove endearing to those who download and uh, let us know, <laughs> and so yeah. we can do more of them. Because and yeah. make your own playlist and send us songs that are meaningful to you uh, with a story. Uh, email them to us at poppingcollegepodcast at gmail and. Maybe we'll read them out and say, hey, Joe in San Jose says that he likes this song for this reason. We'd love we'd love that stuff. Share your own musical diaries with us. Um, we can never get enough music and we can never get enough stories. So exactly. So we will see you next time on the next PC Music Diary with a couple of new songs. In the meantime, Ricardo, thank you for joining me for this new and improved pod. So glad. Thank you. We'll see you next time and keep those college pops. Pop, 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 p